0: Hey everyone I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast where we delve deep into the Gravity based side of mountain biking. First up I want to thank our supporting partners and that's YT Industries and Earshots who both have great offers for you. As well as spending some time recently on the YT Capra which I've really enjoyed I was lucky enough to get a chance to ride their brand new mountain bikers gravel bike the Scepter. YT have managed to create something which enables you to cover ground easily. Turn the more tame trails of your ride into something that will put a smile on your face but also has a geometry that provides the confidence to ride some pretty gnarly terrain too. Add in the suspension fork and the dropper seat post and there isn't much you can't do on it. I rode the Scepter with some of the YT team out in Germany and there was a lot of whooping, hollering and laughing as we made our way around a slippery German woods with doubles being sent, steep descents being conquered and ground being covered at a rate of knots. As always with YT, this bike really delivers an insane spec for the price but YT have gone even further and managed to reduce the pricing on a large number of their models. So if you've been considering a YT, then there has never been a better time to buy. What's even better is that as a downtime listener, YT are offering you £100 or US dollars or euros, depending on where you're based, off of their entire range. All you need to do is to select I have a voucher in the bottom left corner at checkout and use the code DOWNTIME2008. That's DOWNTIME with a capital D, no space, then the number 2008 over at YT-Industries.com. The code is valid for a maximum of 200 uses and runs until the 31st of March 2023. For a good while now, Earshots have been my go-to headphones as they're designed with mountain biking in mind and actually stay in my ears on the bike and in the gym. Earshots like to do things well and this year they launched an upgraded version of the product which I've been using all year and have been really impressed by. They now have 90% more bass response which translates to a way better quality of sound in your ears. Battery life has improved, they fit better and they're more comfortable and easier to use with a new auto on and off feature. For a couple of years now, they've been my go-to headphones for riding or going to the gym, and the latest generation have just reinforced that. If you're looking for some headphones for riding, training, running, or just listening to your favorite podcasts, then Earshots have got you covered, and as a downtime listener, they're offering you 10% off. All you need to do is to enter the code DOWNTIME22 at the checkout over on Earshots.com, and the discount will be applied at the final stage of the checkout process. That's downtime, all uppercase, no space, then the number 22 over at earshots.com. While you're here, don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can hit follow or subscribe in your podcast app now, or there's buttons to help you get it done over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe. There's a fully refreshed and expanded range of merch available now over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. It's all super high quality, ethically sourced and delivered without any single use plastics. All the merch sales go directly to helping keep the podcast going. So a massive thank you to anyone who's already bought something. Christmas is getting closer and a subscription to Downtime EP is the perfect gift for the mountain biker in your life or something pretty awesome to put on your very own Christmas list. EP takes the podcast into a printed format with writing and imagery from some of Mountain Biking's most talented creators. Put together by the wonderful team over at Misspent Summers, you can guarantee that EP is a very nice thing to have and hold. Head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP to get your subscription now. All the links you need for all of this stuff are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. You can also get in touch and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook by heading to at Downtime Podcast. All right, today I'm joined by the rapidly rising star in downhill and free ride, Jess Blewett. Believe it or not, Jess hasn't been riding for very long, but is already a World Cup podium contender and the first woman to ride the infamous Red Bull Hardline. We sat down to hear her story so far. Hear how Jess discovered downhill and why she shifted focus from skiing to mountain biking. We chat about Jess's experiences at Red Bull Formation and, of course, at this year's Hardline. Jess shares her thoughts on her two World Cup racing seasons and takes us through the huge list of injuries that she sustained in that horrible snowshoe crash in 2021 and also how she approached recovering from that and getting back on form. Jess is definitely an incredible talent and one to watch for the future. So, without further ado, here's Jess Blewett. Jess Blewett, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. How's things with you?
1: I'm good, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. And um, yeah, just enjoying a bit of time back home.
0: Nice, yeah. It's a pleasure Pleasure to have you on. I'm looking forward to finding out a bit more about you. Before we get stuck in, Where whereabouts in New Zealand did you grow up?
1: Uh, so I actually, I'm not originally from Queenstown. So I currently live in Queenstown now, and I've been there for like around six years. But I used to live in Mount Monganui, so actually by the beach, um, all into my water sports. Uh, I used to ski race back then, so I'd like commute back and forth um, down to Queenstown for the winter. And then my whole family moved to Queenstown uh, for ski racing. And then I ended up stopping the ski racing and (laughs) started mountain biking. So, yeah, can't really complain in the best spot for it.
0: Sweet. How did you get into ski racing then if you grew up on the beach kind of thing?
1: Uh, well, I've been skiing since I was like two. So I okay. started it quite early. Um, and then there was like, we went to Canada. So we were in Sun Peaks and the whole family just like entered this like fun race. And it was like a ski race thing, like obviously with your gates and um, yeah, so we all did that. Thought it was a bit of fun. And then It kind of just went from there. Like I don't actually remember how old I was, but yeah, like I'd been I had been ski racing for around seven or eight years,
0: Uh
1: so a long time. And then yeah, kind of just stopped in two thousand
0: eighteen. What what kind of level did you get to with the ski racing? Then it must have been pretty serious for the whole family to move down to Queenstown.
1: I think just at that point we really enjoyed it and so it was also hard like going back and forth between schools so that was kind of the biggest reason was do we want to keep doing that um or do we want to move like full-time to Queenstown so it was kind of a mix of those two things and then I mean I was still in primary school at the Uh time we were like about to move and then yeah that was kind of it but I wasn't like come my elite year is kind of what it would be. So yeah, I kind of decided it wasn't for me. I was like, I don't really see myself going anywhere with it. And so, yeah, it was just, that was kind of it. Like I was, yeah. I was going to go race Whistler Cup, which is kind of like the biggest or one of the big events for like junior ski racing sort of thing. But I didn't go to that because I focused on my school year and then yeah, that kind of was like the decider of I'm not actually going to keep going. And then uh, I got introduced uh, right. to mountain biking so can't really yeah. complain about it. Did you
0: did you ski park at all or was it all like the racing side?
1: Uh, so I actually when I stopped ski, like ski racing I did a year of park over at Kadrona uh-huh. and I mean I really enjoyed it but not quite for me like just I think at that point I was just like I just want to have some fun like I just want to go ski and do whatever I feel like doing so I stopped doing that and then the following year COVID came so I didn't actually really ski that year either so I actually haven't skied in about two years
0: no way and was it was it mates through skiing that kind of introduced you to mountain biking or was it just other people that you saw in Queenstown doing it
1: uh it was mates at school at the time Uh so like everyone at school like of my mates were all into mountain biking or they skied um some of them were in the cross group so it was we were skiing for queenstown alpine ski team so a few of us were like in that ski group not a lot but yeah the mountain bike group kind of just was like why don't you come try it and then yeah it was like okay
0: sweet how was that first experience was it up the up the kind of skyline
1: yeah so i i rented a, everything like all of the gear from one of the local bike shops like just full joey um went up like went up skyline and just like rode and like that was it like instantly like straight on clips um like didn't even start with flats but I had been like so like I had been riding bikes like before that but obviously not downhill or like enduro or anything like mountain bike specific it was more just like ride school or like ride home and then I actually (laughs) did a triathlon where I used to back in the mountain so yeah just more like road stuff Uh like I was on a road bike um my dad was like road is like does a lot of road cycling stuff so yeah that was also kind of the thing that was like i need to probably stop doing that and do mountain biking because everyone here was making fun of me they were like you rode whatever and i was like okay um yeah yeah so that was kind of it um but yeah so hired a whole bunch of uh gear went up skyline did a day and then that was about it i was like I should probably get myself a bike. Um, so I ended up buying a mate's old bike, which was a GT. So uh-huh. I've actually only ever ridden GT no since way. I started. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Which is quite a cool thing. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, but it's not been long, right? What was this, like 2018 when you first yeah. rode a bike downhill? 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: not a long time.
0: Yeah. But definitely like straight into it from the get go, enough to go spend the money and buy a bike.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And then, yeah, I mean, that whole kind of like first year, I was like riding with all the boys. And obviously when you're following the boys, it doesn't always end up great. So <laughs> I definitely had a few crashes, but I think that kind of like progressed me quite fast or like yeah. it almost helped. So then the next year I ended up racing the whole national series in New Zealand and I won all of them. And then I was like, Oh, okay. like I could actually maybe do something. Uh, and then, uh, for national champs. So I like won qualifying by like quite a margin, like a, I think I was, don't quote me, but I was like close to 15, maybe seconds, like gap okay. between yeah. me and second. So, and then I crashed in my race run. So I ended up 0.0 something behind. And so like at that point I wasn't really thinking about world cups or like any of that sort of thing. Uh, and so the girl who won, she actually went over and did worlds. So that was Mont St. Anne, if I'm correct, Uh I believe. Um, yeah. And then the following year was obviously my second year. What would have been my second year junior. And so, yeah, I was more kind of keen. I was like, actually, I want to go race juniors. Like, go do the international circuit and then covid so i never got to do that
0: no yeah you Actually, missed your whole yeah. junior career that's pretty harsh yeah. hey was there uh, was there no chance of getting into like even like those few races we had at the end of the season in 2020 like via nz cycling or anything
1: no so they didn't want to enter us into any of them i guess it was kind of the same with a few other um countries which sucked but yeah I guess a lot of us from New Zealand tried to like well we were all trying like different ways to be like can we like go and yeah it, did, it didn't end up working in the end so yeah it was a big bummer
0: yeah that's uh pretty tricky but I guess like a lot of people are in the same boat I suppose if uh if they were of that age at that particular time but Coming into like 2021, I guess things really started to get going for you, and fairly early in the year, you had that opportunity to go and ride at Rebel Formation. How how do you get picked up for an event like that? Because at that um, point, you hadn't really raced like internationally, or
1: no, I hadn't really done anything of any sort. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, I actually got into that because so at the time, they'd obviously had their 2019 formation so like Uh that group of girls and then obviously COVID and then Katie Holden who's the um, organizer of that whole event she asked a few of the girls who went in 2019 who they would recommend to go and then my name was put forward and so then that was how I got invited to that and then it kind of just went from there like started with that Had actually planned that year to go do like a whole bunch of just EWS because we didn't know if um, Cycling New Zealand was going to enter us for DH. So like there was still the unknown of am I going to be able to race a World Cup? So I'd entered for a few EWS. That was like the original plan. So I went and did a couple of them and then ended up being allowed to race the World Cup Series and then did that as well.
0: Yeah, so at some point you like you started to get involved with GT on a more not on a like a pro team level, but on a more serious basis. How did that come about? Because that was kind of in that twenty twenty one time frame, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, it kind of just started with like so my mechanic here in at home here in Queenstown. So he, the mate who I brought the bike off, he was using this mechanic at the time, so he, he knows his things with. GT, like he's all GT, everything. He used to race himself. Um, And so I would go to him and he was obviously like GT. Um, He had like connections to Worrell's who's our GT distributor in New Uh Zealand and kind of just went from there. Like, I guess the connection I had with the distributor here got me that connection to um, Steve. And like GT and everyone. And it kind of just went from there. Like the whole idea was to go over, but I actually had no idea that I was going to get all this help or like as much help as I did. And then it kind of being like way more than I had expected. So I was like privateer, but almost like not privateer. So like a little bit of both. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But cool. I
1: was really lucky with that to be fair.
0: Nice. Well, let's, yeah, let's talk about some of the stuff that happened in, in that first kind of season of traveling and riding and racing abroad. We'll start with formation. Like what was that like? Cause I guess prior to that, what kind of level stuff have you been riding? Like dream track in Queenstown is like the only like really big stuff over there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I mean, yeah, we've got dream and then we've got like hack is probably the only other jump track ish uh-huh. in the bike park and so yeah kind of just was riding dream and that was about all the training that I did really leading up to formation but yeah like that whole event was just like another level of like oh my god <laughs> like just <laughs> insane so yeah it was like a full-on week um like three days digging a rest and then three days riding and then yeah it kind of just blew my mind like I mean, did like top to bottom run, um, hit some pretty big stuff. Like, I mean, dream's big, but then this stuff's like, you know, you're on a ridgeline or like you're in the most exposed stuff possible. So yeah. And then I think that kind of just kicked, it almost like kicked off another level of like confidence coming into like doing that season, like racing. Uh And it kind of just built from there, but yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, so you went from there to a couple of EWSs. Is, is, was EWS like something you were excited about or something you were doing because it was your only way to get racing abroad?
1: I mean, I do enjoy EWS, but it's definitely, it's not my pick. It's not what I'd pick to do. Uh, but yeah, ended up doing them because it was originally the only ones that I thought were possible uh-huh. to do. Um, so yeah, decided to like still go ahead with them, and then I did. I actually podiumed at both of them, so it didn't go that bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But. Were
0: you tra- Were you training like f- specifically for enduro? Because it's it's kind of a different. There's a lot of overlap between downhill and enduro, but there's a lot more like long day fitness, I guess, required for enduro. We we did you feel ready for it?
1: Um, I would say like I definitely hadn't done a lot of training for EWS stuff. I did a couple EWS races here, but I definitely wasn't training the way that you should train for EWS. I was definitely more Uh just DH fitness and obviously just cycle fitness. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a, not a shock, but just like, I wasn't that like, I didn't struggle. But it was also obviously I wasn't like oh I can't push like really hard so yeah yeah
0: a good experience though I guess and probably sharpen the fitness a bit coming into what turned into like the latter half of the downhill season
1: yeah definitely I mean kind of just went from that straight into it um, with the DH yeah. but
0: so your first yeah. World Cup was uh, as an elite and it was at Leargang, right which was wet if I remember rightly
1: yeah it it was really wet yeah same as (laughs) how it was this year and the year before so (laughs) what
0: do you remember Um, from that experience then first time lining up at at a world cup around all these people that you've kind of seen on Red Bull TV I guess over the years
1: yeah it's a, a pretty unreal feeling I mean I was yeah I had no idea what I was doing uh just kind of was like we're just gonna go with it uh obviously GT was helping me so that kind of was a bit easier um knew like people from NZ uh and that kind of helped the situation but yeah it was so I want to say it was a little bit intimidating yeah just (laughs) like (laughs) yeah like even just practice I was like oh my god like am I in the way of people like yeah yeah so that was an experience like the first one just to like get into the groove and like see what goes on and then obviously come race day uh a qualifying day sorry um yeah like just ate it on one of these like little wooden step down things like not a jump but just like a you had to like hop off something And because it was so slippery, I just went over the front (laughs) and then that was about it. So I I think I ended up 17th or something. Okay. But my first, I remember looking and I was looking at my first like splits and it was like 7th, 11th or something like that. So I was like, okay, like maybe I can actually do this. So yeah, um, yeah, that was kind of the fuel, I guess, for like, okay, like. I can do this if I stay on my bike.
0: Yeah. It took a bit of confidence mm-hmm. from it sort of thing.
1: Yeah. That was kind of yeah. the way it went. Yeah. And then I yeah. can't remember. don't remember what race was after that.
0: Was it, it La next? Yeah. I which didn't. so. She had a DNF, I think. Yeah. Or, did, yeah. or did you not qualify? I can't remember.
1: No, I didn't finish that one. I okay. had a, yeah, I had a bit of a QG crash in qualifying. Uh-huh. So, didn't finish that one. And then.
0: So, you're basically living out your junior career, right? The kind of going all in super hard, like. <laughs> yeah. Going a bit much. too hot.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And I think, yeah, I mean, I hadn't found the what's too much, what's not enough. And I think the biggest thing that I was always thinking was like, how do I know how fast to go? Like, I don't know how fast to go to qualify. Um, uh huh. So like where am I going to end up and I think that was the problem was I'd be like oh my god like I have to go so fast because I'm not going to qualify otherwise and so yeah you kind of just it doesn't work who were you,
0: were you, who were you riding with in practice were you on your own or were you like tagging on to some of the other ladies
1: uh I was on my own for most of it and then uh Ethan, who was in juniors, kind of I would just like have a bit of a like chat to him and like speak to him about stuff on track. But yeah, I was kind of just cruising by myself at that point. And then Uh a few of the NZ boys in juniors, I'd like catch up to them. Like yeah, I wasn't really following anyone at that stage to like yeah
0: yeah find the pace kind of thing Yeah. yeah
1: just the hard way
0: <laughs> yeah fair enough but it started to started to come together a bit in uh in Maribor right you took an eighth place there that must have started yeah. to feel like you were getting your head around it a bit
1: yeah that one was quite a good feeling um I actually felt really good on that track it was kind of just like everything was like ticking I was like I feel good uh qualified seventh and then race day was I ended up eighth and I remember there was this one section and I unclipped a foot and like for quite a while, it was like a kind of a traverse and I just remember being like, I've lost so much time here. Like there goes like a second, like this is not good. Uh, Yeah. And and then obviously got to the bottom and I was back by like however many seconds it was one or two seconds, but I had lost a second and I think I was up. I was up. And I was just, yeah, I was just like, damn it. Like, that was, like it was so annoying. Just, yeah. <laughs> but I was happy at the same time because it was the first top 10. So,
0: yeah, yeah, nice I feeling really to break into can't that. Can yeah. that one? Yeah. Yeah, and then you followed it up at World Champs in Val de Sol, which is a gnarly track for anyone to get to grips with. What was it like that first time there and the added pressure of it being World Champs?
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> a few of my mates here were like, oh, you're, you're not going to like Val de Like, it's so gnarly. Like, it's the scariest track. Like, and I was like, oh, she'll be fine. <laughs> uh, so I remember, like, getting there and I was like, this is, like, a real, I like the look of this track. But at the same time, I was like, this is hella scary. <laughs> so, yeah, kind of, when I started, like, getting up to speed, it kind of, I was quite happy with it. Like it wasn't as bad as I thought it was, and I feel like it's always more intimidating than it looks, yeah To you kind of get in the groove and yeah, so that was also another really good week that just went my way, yeah, so
0: yeah another another eighth place what what do you feel you'd kind of started to learn at this point because you've gone from those like either hugeies's in in qualities or yeah. practice or not qualifying, and then suddenly you're putting in top ten at world champs on probably the gnarliest track on the circuit. Like, what? What had started to click for you?
1: I think, just almost like not a routine, but like a little bit of a routine of what I was doing, like leading up to qualifying or leading up to race day, uh-huh. and it kind of just, yeah, it was like more just like chill out, like, and I think. That first result in Maribor was kind of like, okay, like if I do the same again, like push that as hard as I was there and just keep doing that, then it kind of, yeah, it just fell into like that was what I was doing. And it was like doing these 80% runs and I was landing top tens. So that's kind of just how it ended up happening. Like I wouldn't, I didn't really have like anything perfectly like, set in place of what to do before collie or what to do before race. So, yeah.
0: Just starting to put a bit more process around it maybe.
1: Yeah, a little bit of that. And then it just kind of felt a bit more, almost like easy. Yeah. Like easier to get in the groove.
0: And you you, you reckon, you said 80% runs. Is that the kind of level you felt you were at then? You, you felt like there was a lot more to, to push, but that brought with it some risk I suppose
1: yeah almost it was more like if I do 80 then I'm not gonna blow myself out or I'm not gonna just like overcook myself and then be like holding on for like dear life when you come (laughs) into the end so yeah it was like finding that level of like how much was enough to push and still qualify and then push and get a top 10 rather than just yeah crashing blowing out wasn't
0: yeah wasn't necessarily about crashing the bike but it was about preserving your body all the way down the track so that you could ride with a level of confidence maybe
1: yeah that's pretty much what it was and I think like at that point I still hadn't worked out like how much I could actually push so like getting to the bottom and being like like sometimes I'd get to the bottom and be like Oh, like I should have pushed like so much harder but I guess like that's still kind of part of the learning and like even this year like some tracks I'd get to the bottom and be like whoa like I could have pushed like so much more but again like still learning and it's only my second year so
0: yeah, for sure, for sure. And that that season ended for you, well, as it did for everyone else in snowshoe. But um, your snowshoe race probably didn't quite go uh, as you'd have liked it to. You had a pretty horrible no. crash near the end of the track. um Tell us about that from your point of view. Like, what what happened? Because it looked like you got a bit offline coming into that like triple towards the bottom.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I had a bit of a not so good like first race because obviously it was two races same week. Snowshoe. Mm-hmm. So like the first race, I just wasn't feeling it. There were a few other things going on. It was just not it wasn't my race. And so then race two, I was like back in my groove. Um did a good qualifying. And then yeah, race day, um, yeah, we all know. <laughs> so actually in the video, which I've watched multiple times, a lot of times, uh yeah there's like a root on the tree and I was probably like the tiniest bit more like to the right so like closer to the tree than I normally was in like every other time that I'd done that same like run in that whole week and so yeah I like clipped that little tree root and it kind of like bucked me and so like I got slightly bucked and then by the time the bike had like Kind of come back down. I like compressed into that corner, and it happened so fast. It was just like corner, bam! Like just straight over the bars, straight yeah. into that bump, and it was yeah, it, it was not fun. Um,
0: no, it was quite an injury list, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, yeah, list uh, had my femur operated on, my collarbone operated on, uh, and then I broke like my wrist, uh, a few ribs, my transverse process. So in my, not your vertebrae, but the little ones that poke off the side, Uh clean cut, snapped a few of those. Um, Jeez. Yeah, so I definitely did a big job.
0: You did a good job, yeah.
1: Yeah. It was
0: man.
1: Yeah, I guess not something you kind of expect in your first year. Um, Just went all in. But honestly, after that, like I've just learned so much like from like about my body and just I almost don't regret that it happened. I'm just like it was it's like a huge learning kind of thing. Like, yeah, just okay, like taking so much from it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So So, so you're off you immediately i guess off to hospital in the u.s then right that's where this all starts so at least it's uh, speaking the same language that must help but was, <laughs> yeah. was, did you have family there like was anyone around to kind of be with you
1: no so yeah i mean straight after got put on a stretcher got helicoptered to roanoke which is like i think it's like a three-hour drive from snowshoe obviously 45 uh-huh. minute flight or however long it was um And so Steve, who's GT, um, he came and stayed with me like the first week because, well, all my family was at home. Um, Yeah, still with COVID restrictions, you couldn't really – you were only allowed one visitor. So um, I remember – and also one of my best mates, um, Bailey, she was there. And so I just remember being like to her, I was like, can you please come? Like – just you and like coach and that's okay like I'll be then I'll be happy and so uh I remember kind of coming around because I was so drugged up um and they were putting me in the helicopter and they were like yeah we can't send anyone with you in the helicopter and I was just kind of like what like no one is no one coming like like you know like um I've got no idea what's going on. I've let she my whole body. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then obviously got to the hospital and sat in, or they did all of their staff procedures of x-rays, MRIs, you name it. Um, yeah. And then got put back into like a waiting room thing, or like a room for the night and then coach appeared. And so, um, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, this isn't too bad. (laughs) So yeah, coach was with me for the first week. And then obviously um, he was going off to watch rampage with Braga. And so he left, went there. He also, it was also another event he had to leave, which I was like, that's you leave. Like that's important. Um, And so then Katie Holden, who runs formation, uh, she was like, oh, I'll come. Like, so Sweet. she came for the next week, which honestly was such a good week. Like, yeah, I don't think I've laughed so many times. Just <laughs> she, she honestly just made it like such a good time. Um, so, yeah, uh, she was there. And then, and yeah, it was, it was such a weird kind of just whole experience of like, we ended up like writing like a few goals of like what to tick off each day. And like, yeah. So like a few of them were like get out of bed, like, um, and then eventually it turned into like go to the toilet by myself. Like actually, that was like such a huge thing. Um, Yeah. Walk to the end of the corridor, or um, like not use a wheelchair, like just like things like that. And so yeah, kind of just I struggled from the start with bending my knee, so my leg was almost stuck straight. For like two weeks straight. Yeah. So I had a bit of like pain coming from my back, and just it, it wasn't very nice to walk. So obviously, I was on my uh, I don't know what you call them, the like walker thingies.
0: Oh, like a Zimmer frame? Like,
1: yeah, the Zimmer frame. So I was using a Zimmer frame for like a wee bit, but I couldn't walk very far with one, the pain, and two, I'd get like real lightheaded, dizzy.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And then yeah just spent most of my time in the wheelchair or watching youtube which Whoa. was about it yeah for two that's weeks It's cool that
0: people came up to hang out though and uh, and look after you that's that's really nice but yeah so to was, get back home then was that like did you have to have a proper medical flight back to new zealand
1: yeah so insurance like luckily i was super lucky with the insurance i had um so yeah i got flowing from the local airport across to LA. And then I flew LA to Christchurch, uh-huh. uh, which was such an experience because like I said about my leg, like not being able to bend. <laughs> so like you can only imagine you're trying to go to the toilet in the plane.
0: <laughs> so yeah, not easy.
1: No, it's not easy. Um, yeah. It just made it it, it was hard. But, uh, yeah, so got to Christchurch and then I had to spend three days in a hospital. But at this point, um, New Zealand was still like, we still had MIQ. It's so like quarantine for like two weeks. Yeah, of course. The whole COVID situation. So yeah, I did like three days in hospital at quarantine, like, um, I guess standard. Yeah. And then I was like, I can't do any more days like just staring at a wall, like I really got to go outside or something. Um, so yeah, I got to see my mum. thankfully. She she was allowed in with like full uh-huh. PPE gear. Yeah. No and way. then I wasn't allowed to see my dad yet, even though they were staying in the same place, in the same, same. hotel, like, you know, together. But yeah. only one person was allowed to see me. So it was honestly such a weird experience. And then I got moved into like the proper MIQ like hotel room. And then my mum joined me. So we did a week and a half in there because I still couldn't do anything by myself. So yeah.
0: Whoa, just on. the whole
1: experience was just another level of yeah. Something <laughs> you don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Testing yeah, and yeah. um not gonna forget that one. So yeah. Aww. And then Worked with a really good crew here uh, with Remarks Physio Pete and then um, my, like, surgeon that I'm now using here. <laughs> he also – everyone works out of, like, the same um, building. So yeah. everyone was in communication and it was, yeah, just straight into rehab pretty much.
0: That's cool. What Yeah, what was that recovery process like then? What kind of stuff were you having to do?
1: So – The first few weeks I was physio, like almost every day with, yeah. So I was working with remarks physio really closely. So, um, yeah, they were, they're unreal. Um, he's unreal, Pete, the whole team. Um, yeah. So like a whole week of that, um, kind of just like it went from obviously crutches, like wheelchair crutches, one crutch, then no crutch, like with a little bit of a limp, and then got into like doing some gym work stuff. So I think that was at like around two Uh
0: months-ish.
1: And so, yeah, kind of from there, it just all went really fast. Like three months, I was back on a bike, like literally riding Skyline like on the trail bike obviously going (laughs) slow um yeah so it was kind of a shock because I was like am I really back doing this like this fast already so yeah but I mean I definitely put in a lot of work of like physio I mean I had acupuncture uh, honestly you could name it like just everything I was like (laughs) what can I do to like heal fast and so yeah it uh the biggest thing for me was, so like my leg actually still wasn't bending. Like I couldn't get it past 90. So I couldn't do a revolution on a bike. So the whole worry was like, Oh my God, like how long is this going to take to, you know, get a revolution on the bike? And then it just, it was like, I was doing like a weird toe dip to like get my foot around. And so that was kind of what I was doing for like a wee while. Um, so I did like, obviously, flat road stuff and then yeah around the three mark three month mark got up skyline with my physio so he actually came up with me because he rides himself so (laughs)
0: um
1: yeah which is so like it's honestly the best thing and just yeah three months did that and then was he having to
0: hold you back were you kind of getting carried away (laughs) because like when you get back Uh, on a bike after a big injury it's like goes one or two ways you're either really kind of hesitant or you're so excited to be back on a bike that you kind of maybe go a bit too hard uh
1: he honestly did have to hold me back yeah (laughs) we we did the easiest trail and I was like off he was like whoa whoa," like you know slow down like (laughs) oh like oh my god like no (laughs) so yeah I think from the moment I got back like onto a trail it was just like Like there was nothing like mentally stopping me from like going fast again, or like yeah, yeah. I mean, I was already doing little jumps that I was not supposed to be doing, (laughs) or it was like too much. Well, not too much for me, but definitely. Pete was like, you should probably not leave your (laughs) wheels on the ground for now. So amazing so do you, um, do
0: you didn't feel phased by it mentally then it doesn't because no, I mean, like you was, say it's a huge crash right but you seem to get straight back
1: to it yeah like I think the biggest thing in my mind at that point was just like if I land on it like this is gonna hurt like like a lot like it wasn't even like I've literally just had the worst crash ever I like nothing was yeah it was, it was so weird because I was fully expecting to be like you know, so timid and like not want to ride for like a while. And I think a few people definitely thought that as well, but yeah, it just, it came back so fast, like just straight back into it. And then I did my first, so obviously national champs is kind of what I was aiming for. I was like, I need to do, well, actually physio was like, we need to do a, Race, but like a big race, mm-hmm. so that I could, you know, kind of get back into that race mode before I actually went overseas. And so, yeah, just literally rocked up to Physio and he goes, So, we're we gonna talk about national champs. And I was like, What about it? Like, not thinking that I'm gonna race it. <laughs> and he's like, yeah we're gonna race it. And I was like, Okay, all right. So, yeah, ended up, um, I raced that and I won it. And it was kind of just like, <laughs> What's happening? Like, yeah, just like I had no expectations whatsoever. It was just like, I mean, I thought I was going to come last, to be honest. I was, yeah, I definitely felt slow. Like uh I wasn't feeling how I was, like, I just felt really stiff and like not scared, but just I was definitely riding really stiff and like just my riding style was really off and so I was like I'm not going fast like there's no way I'm gonna win at all so yeah just in my mind I was like just do it even though I knew I would be disappointed (laughs) if I didn't so yeah and then it went really well so I was
0: yeah pretty stoked but what was that that would have been that's like late February is it your national champs
1: yeah. So yeah, it was like on the five month mark since yeah. Snowshoe. So
0: Impressive. Were, were you having still... any Sorry, go on.
1: Oh, I was just gonna say it was still quite um early in what a recovery phase was for that kind of yeah. injury.
0: Were you still having any like side effects, any like swelling or pain or anything like that from injuries?
1: Uh so collarbone and rest and my ribs were all sweet. Uh, I had like a few, or my back was just super tight from obviously those ones that I broke. And so that kind of disappeared probably like not long after my resting collarbone. Like those things were quite quick to be normal yeah. or fine. And then, yeah, my femur was honestly sweet. Just like if you like, if you use like a roller or something over your like thigh, like it's, it's horrible because it's just hit in the pins. But yeah, I didn't have any pain. Like I didn't have a limp. I didn't. If I hit like something heavy, like a heavy impact, nothing. Like it was, yeah, it was unreal. Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: That is sweet good stuff so, so you've taken yeah. the nationals win then it's five months after and then um, coming into that year as well like GT sort of stepped up their support and brought you into like the factory program is that right
1: yeah so they actually offered me something way back in Leger so okay at that point I hadn't even proven what I could do at uh-huh. all so yeah to me I was like well like this is pretty insane to be like in this position. So yeah, obviously then got put into LinkedIn to the factory team and then that was about it away from there. Yeah.
0: How did you, how did you feel then coming into that like 2022 season? Do you think that that focus on rehab kind of maybe actually helped your like overall preparation for the year?
1: I think so. I mean, I spent so much time in the gym and on a road bike. Like I honestly don't think I did many days on my DH bike. Like I was literally just riding um, like up one of the ski mountains here, like at least four or five times a week. Like, yeah, my physio was like, oh, just go try ride this um, like mountain. And then, well, actually, this is the funny story. Uh, Before I was allowed to get back on my DH bike, Um, I had to go and climb one of the ski mountains here. So it's quite a high elevation, like it's steep. Yeah. And so he was like, you have to go climb that first. Then you can go on your DH bike. So literally (laughs) went and did it that afternoon (laughs) and then it was, yeah. So anyway, that one, um, I was literally just climbing that, like my whole kind of training was literally, doing that like really long distance stuff like intervals like you name it just everything but I just put so much time into like fitness and like strength and like making sure that everything was like good or that I was at a next level of nowhere near what I was like last year so yeah I was definitely way fitter and stronger than I was so yeah, yeah I was in in a good Place. And obviously the limited amount of time I did on my DH bike had no effect. So yeah, it was, it was quite good. And then I actually, the other biggest thing was I was already lactose intolerant, but I actually became full gluten intolerant after okay. my accident. So um, yeah, cut gluten out almost completely. And yeah, it was kind of insane how that's kind of affected me like now, like in such a positive way. So yeah, that almost had like a huge effect on how I was like performing and just everything. So
0: did it change your, like your, like how energetic you feel? Did it change your like energy levels?
1: Yeah. Like I think that was kind of the biggest thing was I started to notice, like, I think I, we worked out, we that I may have already had some sort of gluten like intolerance last like last year, and then since my accident, it kind of like kicked it off to another level, which can happen when you have such a huge amount of trauma to your body, uh-huh. and so that's kind of what happened. And so, yeah, just like no energy, like sore stomach, like you name it, every single symptom of what is gluten intolerance. So um, yeah, as soon as I cut it out, it was. Yeah. Brilliant.
0: Awesome. That's always good to yeah. find stuff like that that uh it's free performance I guess once you work it out.
1: Yeah, and I, I know a few other people that are, have also figured that one out too. So, yeah, it seems to be quite common these days of Yeah, it does, you know, gluten And then thing.
0: you had uh you had covid just before heading out for the season though. Did that have much yeah. of an impact <laughs> for you? It's never ideal timing, is it?
1: Yeah. Uh so my brother had had it and then a few of my, well pretty much the whole mountain bike community at that point had almost had it. And so I was going, Oh no, like I'm going to go overseas. Like, and then I'll probably get it for the first race, like knowing my luck. And then, yeah, I got it like a week and a half before I was flying out. So I was kind of freaking out cause I got it, pretty bad like I was bedridden for good almost a week like whoa yeah I was definitely really sick it was it wasn't fun so yeah I was still like just coming over it um by the time I was getting on the plane so it was yeah (laughs) it was not ideal ideal. and yeah I was like oh I've just done like you know I've like, prior to that, I was feeling so good, like, just, yeah, and then that just hit rock bottom, and I was like, oh, no, like, not, not good. ideal. So, yeah. yeah. Did but, you
0: miss Lords this year?
1: Yeah, so I didn't do Lords because, well, one we decided that it was too early, yeah. well, it almost, it almost wasn't too early, but I was like, I'd rather spend that time to just train and, like, do all of the stuff I can do here rather than, Mm -hmm. you know, a week for us to get over jet lag, race, come back a week to get over jet lag. So really it was like three weeks of what I was like, this is important for me to do training. So yeah. yeah. And GT was like fully supportive of that. They were like, come back when you're ready. And I was like, okay, well I'm ready for Fort William. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah. Yeah yeah
0: yeah Fort William is uh always a tough race and it was another uh kind of wet event how how was it because it didn't didn't end too well for you
1: yeah it. uh so we obviously got a new bike leading up to that and then we did the BDS at Fort uh-huh. William as well and I was feeling pretty good then or I was still kind of getting used to like the bike. Um, and then I had like a really stupid crash where I just pretty much scorpioned. So like, I was like, nah, like I'm not going to race. Um, it's just a BDS. Like, let me, you know, fix myself up, come back for Fort William world cup. So yeah, obviously came back for that felt like so good. Like just, the bike was working how it should and just everything felt good and obviously like was working with Rich really closely um with like the telemetry and doing like all of that stuff just to make sure the bike was like spot on and so yeah come quali honestly it was a bit of a weird like quali just obviously first like world cup back since like injury uh that wasn't really on my mind at all it was which is also a weird thing like I feel like it would yeah. be in any like in any situation after that but yeah it was just more there was like a course hold and then um the weather was obviously not so great um yeah and I, yeah it was just it was so weird I just dropped into that run and it didn't even feel like I was racing. Like. It was like I was just doing a run. And then obviously yeah, I was like good couple centimetres off like in my line and like got hooked up between a few rocks, which, you know, Fort Williams not so forgiving. So No. Yeah, that was the end of that. Straight on to my other opposite collarbone. So not the same one I'd oh, done in no. Snowshoe, my other side, so Yeah. But I was super lucky because that one was like a little crack. So it hadn't, it hadn't gone all the way through. It was like three quarters of the way through the bone. So Uh that was like a quick, yeah. Didn't need surgery for that one. It was just, unfortunately miss Leo gang. So yeah, I went home, um, did like physio, um, more fitness rehab stuff here and then yeah, went back over for Height at six weeks, bang on. So yeah, pretty yeah. good. Well, actually, I did a I did a week at Dubby before that.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, was um, this the Red Bull Performance Camp?
1: No, so that one that was actually before um, Fort William. Okay. Yeah, and so yeah, there was we had that before Fort William, which was yeah, that was another really good kind of. Well, actually, so I had like a choice between Fort William, uh, sorry, not Fort William, formation, Um, either formation or to do the Red Bull camp. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I was definitely tossing for a really long time on uh, what to do and then ended up going with, um, obviously, the performance camp. I was like, need to dial in my racing. So, yeah we'll go do that we'll miss formation this year and then go back to it following year yeah cool how was that um, performance
0: cam then what sort of stuff went on
1: yeah so it was pretty chill actually it was actually just a good way like just riding with everyone um and then they had like timed laps set up so Uh you could do like timed runs um almost like race runs. And so, yeah, it was just kind of like doing set up on your bike and like that sort of, like stuff. Um, nice. Yeah. And they had like physio, um, like a little gym set up. Just, yeah, it was, it was just a really good setup with like a really good couple of days. So Wicked. yeah, I was lucky yeah, enough it came, to um, attend that one.
0: Nice. And you came back into Lenzer Hide with a top 10. That must've felt good to kind of get a solid result under your belt after hard end to the 21 season and a rough start to 2022
1: yeah it was uh definitely a nice feeling to finish that one and i mean yeah i I came into that one with just let's just finish like it doesn't matter what result i get just just finish and so um yeah did that and that was kind of just a like yes i've done it but also oh, that's not where I want to be. So I was happy and disappointed, which, yeah, I mean, I was, I was just being really, I actually honestly was being harsh on myself. I uh-huh. was expecting a, like a lot more, not for that race, but just myself. I was like, I want a lot more than just a top 10. So
0: you, You're quite critical of your own performances. Sounds like you beat yourself up a bit over stuff.
1: I wouldn't say that, but I definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely expect more. Um, yeah. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, so how, do you,
0: how do you, yeah. How do you deal with that then? How do you take that like solid result, but disappointing to you and turn it around within a week? Cause it was back to back to Valnord. And then just, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're standing on the podium in fourth place a week later. Like how, how did you work through that? In your own head, I guess, to get from a disappointing result to I would guess something you're a lot happier with.
1: I think just going from like lens of hide, like in the end I just like accepted like I was like, come on, like I've just come back from like an injury and a big injury. Um, you know, like I've got a top ten, like that's still pretty impressive. So like yeah. just be happy. And so yeah, I was just like, you know what, like, yeah. I've done that. So it was just the stepping stone I think to like getting back into the flow again. And so yeah, I mean, came into Andorra and I was just like this is this is a track for me. <laughs> like this is yeah, this is going to be a good one. And so yeah, honestly just prac as soon as I saw that track I was like let's just go ride this like and I was yeah, just during practice I was honestly just having so much fun like I just Wanted to like, you know, when you want to just like, if you want to like ride a track like over and over, like that, I know just what was happening. And I was like, yeah, that you obviously don't want to, but yeah, I was just like, this is so like such a good track. Um, yeah. So I was really excited. Um, I didn't still, so at that point I still didn't have, um, timed training. And so, okay. I feel like a huge thing is actually having time training. Like it honestly helps. Like it honestly does help like in so many ways. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I didn't have time training. So I chucked on a GoPro, um, did like a GoPro run, like looked at my time. Um, obviously then the time training runs came out. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to have a look. And my time was really good on my GoPro and I was like GoPro's not accurate but I'm I'm up there and so yeah yeah, I was was like I'll take that and so yeah it just came into qualifying did like a run I was really happy with like almost the same thing again like I was still doing my like 80% thing of like like yeah and I feel like that's just such a huge thing that you learn over time is like, Mm -hmm. like all these girls, like pom pom cami, um, you know, they all know how much they can push in a race run. And I feel like I'm still learning to like find that until I can like constantly do it. And so, yeah, I mean, I was still doing like my 80% run. So yeah. And then I qualified six. And so I was like, okay, like, let's just go like we're just gonna go for it and so yeah (laughs) I honestly just did step it up a bit more and uh yeah ended up fourth so I was pretty damn happy with that yeah
0: yeah
1: it was was a really good week so everything just worked like everything kind of just ticked off the whole way through so
0: just sweet and
1: like that
0: that sort of I guess whatever you found there, you managed to find it again on various tracks throughout the season. It well as well, it wasn't just that that valve or track suited you well. so you took a fourth place at Mont Anne, another fourth at Val all like pretty different tracks, I guess. Like looking back on that now, your first like full season on the factory team, how do you feel about like that 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 season, that set of performances like looking back on it at the end of the year?
1: I'm pretty happy with the season. Yeah, I feel like it still hasn't like fully hit that. You know, I got a couple fourths, another more top tens. Like, yeah, it's kind of one of those ones where like I went in with the hope of wanting to get on the podium, and then like has happened, and then you're just kind of like, well, did that like actually happen? So, (laughs) yeah, I'm. I'm super stoked. And yeah, I mean, honestly, I was just made so much easier with like the team and like Rich just working like really closely with Rich and Cam. So like, it was just a dream team and it just worked really well. So honestly just got to thank those guys because they also helped me get here. So, um, yeah, it was, I'm super happy and, uh, yeah. I mean, still wanted more, <laughs> which is pretty yeah, normal. Yeah. But um, yeah, and I think the biggest thing, like looking back at it, was like those three tracks were like the longest tracks of them all. And I think the one I'm most proud of is definitely Valdez Soul, just because I know there was a few people who were saying that I was only good at like flow jump tracks. Yeah. And so to do well on well at Valdezol the roughest gnarliest hardest track longest one of the longest tracks as well yeah was kind of just like a I actually can also do well on a track like this so yeah it was it was such a good feeling to do well there and I was bought 0.6 off third and that was like a kick in the guts. I was like damn it (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah yeah we, we ended the season on a high so yeah Yeah. it was bloody good yeah
0: yeah awesome work were there were there certain things that you like you feel that you've learned throughout the season that you can take into next year or any like specific things you want to change for next season
1: um i think like for myself i'm still just like learning what routine before quality and race like works for me like even just coming down to like what warm up you're doing, like mm-hmm. what stuff to be doing in your warm up, um, yeah, like still just figuring like all the little small things out, um, and even like my approach to like practice and like timed training, like time training, I never did like a full run, so like, okay. yeah, kind of just a few things here and there of like what I'm looking for to change or. Yeah, kind of do things too for next season, but obviously, yeah, got to step up to the next level of fitness, strength, you name it, the whole lot. So,
0: oh, there's yeah, always yeah. work to be done, huh?
1: Yeah, exactly. There's never no work to be done. So,
0: <laughs> <Good>
1: yeah, <stuff. laughs>
0: yeah. And, and uh, alongside the racing, free ride is clearly also like a big part of your focus, your passion, your skill set, um, and you had the opportunity to be the first woman to ride at Red Bull Hardline this year. How did that opportunity come about? And was it was that an easy decision for you once that offer was there?
1: Yeah, so that one was super exciting. Uh, it kind of started out from I mean, for a while I've been like eyeing it up as like, I really want to do it. Like, yeah, I really enjoy my free ride stuff and I feel like that's a part of me as well. So as much as there's my racing side, there's still the side that wants to go send massive jumps and drops so (laughs) that's always going to be there um, as much as you know everything kind of comes with risk so yeah but anyway so start of the year I approached Red Bull New Zealand and I put the idea of can I get in contact with Red Bull UK to speak about hardline and so yeah they were frothing on the idea then Red Bull UK was frothing on the idea so yeah it kind of went from that, just like emails uh and then obviously went to Dovey and spoke to Dan and G about it, mm-hmm. and it kind of just more helped when I was riding with Dan, like Dan seeing how I could ride like helped quite a bit, like uh-huh. obviously he builds the jumps and like all of that stuff, so yeah, I think it was a matter of like, can she, will she be able to write it? And so that was like a big thing, um, was him being like, yeah, like you could a hundred percent write it. Like I have no doubt. So yeah, it kind of went from there. Um, basically I'd been told like, yeah, like I think like this is going to happen. So I, I left it for like a couple months and then I hit up, uh, Red Bull UK again. And I was like, so like, what's to go? Like, is this gonna happen? And then I got the formal invite, and so I was like, "Sick! <laughs> this is happening!" And so, um, yeah, honestly, I was so happy and so nervous at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, it was a really nice feeling to be like, okay, like we've got this opportunity to like build this for the girls, and so that was the whole goal was to just get females into it and um, hopefully like build it from there and we see more girls racing it. I mean, I, myself really want to actually race it But <laughs> uh-huh. I don't wreck myself, but I mean, that's part of it. Um, yeah. Just stuff happens. And so, yeah, that was a, that was a really good week actually. Uh, just, yeah, all the boys super, you know, encouraging and just, do what you want to do. Uh, no pressure. Um, yeah. So there was no pressure, like what all for me to do any of it or okay. even race it. So it was actually all up to me. It was, I just put out the idea of to red bull of like what I was hoping to get out of it, like what I wanted to ride. And so, um, yeah, at first I was just like, I just want to hit, some of the features and like go from there like there was no pressure for me to race or anything and then come closer to the time I was like I actually want to race this like (laughs) I think I could race this and so yeah obviously got into the week um started taking off like things like just one by one and it was all feeling pretty good like yeah I was still nervous because that stuff is hella scary (laughs) uh but at the same time it's so much fun so yeah it was just taking off things one by one um yeah and then just unfortunately ate it on the step up and that was about it how much of the track
0: had you got ticked off then what what of the big features did you manage to get through
1: well so it's probably easier for me to say which ones I hadn't yet done so I hadn't yet done the on off to the 290s yeah yeah I hadn't done the that wooden um the huge you know over the road okay the road gap yeah and then the very final jump into the finish line
0: okay so, so you've done the vast majority of the track then
1: yeah and so my plan was like just I was like I'll go do the metal step up So the renegade, and then I'll go do the road gap. And then I was going to leave the big, like the finish line gap to like the last minute, because all the boys were saying how much of a pull it was, especially with Mm -hmm. like, obviously we're not the greatest of weather. So it was really windy and really wet. And so, um, I didn't really want to hit a massive jump with the white, like the wind, and so especially when the boys were like i'm having a pull so hard like just leave it for now so i was like okay i'll wait for that one so yeah, yeah. um yeah and then the 90s honestly i had no idea what i was going to do for those um <laughs> yeah that yeah that was that's another story <laughs> but um yeah they i mean part insane. of me was, part of yeah part of me was like i could do them but like I might need a bit of time to like be like, am I going to do them? Or like, when am so, I going to do them? <laughs> yeah. So, talk
0: us, talk us through like how you get psyched up to hit a feature a bit. Cause like some of the stuff there, well, a lot of the stuff there, almost all of it is insane. Like how do you get ready to roll into hitting one of those features for the, for the first time? Like what's your process or the self talk that's going on in your head? Cause you seem like the sort of rider that's pretty confident to hit stuff.
1: I mean, normally chuck a bit of music on, uh, Uh, all my mates know I love a bit of drum and bass. So we've normally got, yeah, honestly, music is probably my biggest thing, um, gets me kind of in the mood to do this stuff. And so, yeah, normally I'll have some tunes playing like before we go up in the uplift. Um, yeah. And then I don't really know, there wasn't a lot actually going through my head at the time when i was dropping in because the first thing that we like dropped into was so where the road gap um like the landing so we went yeah we did like from there to the bottom to the finish line so mm-hmm. i dropped in like following george and um yeah did like that section and like that section was scary in itself because the tech part was like so slippery But I think at that point I hadn't actually really, I didn't have anything in my mind, to be honest. I was just dropped in. I was like, oh, everyone's going, everyone's going. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, and then just did it. Yeah. But the the bigger one, um, the big drop after the Renegade, um, Mm -hmm. that one took me, A lot longer um I definitely like I watched all the boys hit it and then I was kind of like just left up there with like a few of the media guys Rich was up there um and I was just kind of standing there like honestly I was just looking at it and I was at that point I was definitely in my mind like oh I can do this like and that's kind of all that really goes on is like that whole like rather than being like oh I can't do this or like thinking about the worst you kind of almost just it's the same with racing like if you tell yourself like you're gonna do shit or something then you're probably not gonna do very good so it's like the positive you just got to think positively and I think honestly that just helps so much and so yeah I was like you know what, I can do this like walked back up did like a couple roll-ins um she take that back I don't even think I did a roll in to be honest I just kept walking it like I'd walk back and forth yeah I didn't and I <laughs> yeah because I walked back up and then no one expected me to like just do it and I just did it and so yeah I was yeah it was it was such a sick feeling though just hitting that coming in so hot to that corner that was scary actually i did almost eat it in the corner because it was so so many
0: people yeah so many people (laughs) struggle to like slow it down for that turn because it's a huge drop and then not much space
1: yeah it was so slippery like greasy greasy slippery so yeah and like same with the um big one out of the woods before the renegade like yeah just kind of was like asking the boys a few things and then followed i think i followed andian the first time off that one uh-huh. and so yeah just like i'm very picky with who i follow as well so i was like i'm going to follow someone that's a racer um hits jumps not you know cuz like some people pull up and some people go really fast and like squash or just yeah will go off it and so yeah i'm, I'm really that's also another big thing i kind of learned was like being very picky with who you follow especially off stuff that big and so
0: so you choose someone that kind of matches your riding style a bit more would you say is that yeah in a way yeah
1: yeah pretty much and then you just got to put your trust in them that they're going the right speed but i mean (laughs) i watched them hit it multiple times so i was pretty confident yeah yeah yeah
0: amazing so you're not you're not put off by the injury then by the sounds of things. Like it doesn't feel like you've been put off by any injury, but it sounds like certainly that that collarbone <laughs> yeah. from the hard line it's not going to stop you going back and getting redemption.
1: No, exactly. Uh yeah, I'm I'm keen to go back and uh hopefully might have a few girls joining me. So yeah, see what we can uh, get in the works. But yeah, I'm I'm keen to go back and race and like whether we have to do something to make it a bit more appealing to the ladies then yeah, we'll see cool. what we can do. But yeah, I'm I'm keen to go back. Hasn't phased me at all. <laughs> yeah.
0: Amazing. Impressive stuff. So where where do you see the free ride side of things going for you? Because you've obviously got like both both racing you're doing really well and the free ride side you're doing really well. You've got opportunities to go in either direction. Feels like for now you're going to continue to go in both, but like how far would you like to take that free ride side?
1: Yeah, it's kind of a tricky one. And I always get asked this question. Um, I feel like, I mean, I've always told myself that I would put my racing first and I definitely do put my racing first. So I think like when the time comes, if I'm, you know, in the running for overall, or I'm, you know, winning a world cup or I've won world champs, um, I think the free ride wouldn't stop, but it's, it'll kind of fade. Like there wouldn't be so many events that I would go to or like Mm -hmm. necessarily add more way up a bit more of the risk kind of thing of like, if there was something before the season, like obviously I want to be able to do my full world cup season. So, um, yeah, it's kind of what it weighs down to. But yeah, I mean the freeride's not gonna stop. Still gonna be there. Um, obviously we could come to the point where I'm, you know, won a World Cup and I'll still probably be like, No, I'm doing my free ride stuff, so <laughs> it could change. <laughs> we don't know. But um yeah, I just I enjoy both. So yeah, it's it's a tricky one. Okay, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> we'll yeah. see.
0: What about what about rampage? Is that something that's kind of in your sights? Do you think that's uh yeah,
1: an opportunity I, I would, in the
0: future potentially?
1: I would also really like to do rampage if uh that became an option. Um it's uh it's definitely in the works. I think just with the like progression of women at the moment, it's I wouldn't yeah, I would say it's highly likely that it could happen. So um, yeah that's definitely something i'd love to do as well um yeah just that hard line just any free ride stuff just i'm in
0: <laughs> yeah lots to Wherever go out, it right it's in. cool yeah, yeah yeah there's so much but, so much progress in that like the women's side of both racing and free ride and mountain biking in general at the moment it must be uh, it must be a good time to be a woman in mountain biking
1: it sure is it's just kind of exploded and uh yeah it's uh it's really cool to see actually and just like everything's everyone's like pushing each other and there's just like such a like huge push for like what can we do as females so yeah it's uh it's going in the right step so it's it's good to see yeah
0: exciting times yeah we should start wrapping up we've got our final four questions so we'll Hit those. The first of those is if our listeners had 150 pounds, which is about 300 New Zealand dollars, to improve their performance on a bike, what would you recommend they go spend it on?
1: Oh, to improve their performance on a bike. Hmm, maybe parts on your bike. Uh huh. But okay, that's kind of tricky though because 300 doesn't give you much.
0: Nah. what days. parts would you switch up like what are your mo- what are the most important bits for you on your bike like to feel comfortable or to feel quick
1: um suspension uh-huh. big one uh yeah. i think brakes there's another one yep um yeah those are probably honestly the two biggest things for me yeah but yeah 300 bucks jeez. what would you even buy
0: don't buy you much you might get uh you might get some suspension setup done for that maybe don't know
1: maybe yeah you could get maybe a tune or something yeah that actually could help yeah. um otherwise just kick yourself out with some nice bars or grips <laughs> yeah just make a drum and
0: bass cool. download some drum and bass easy yeah
1: yeah, exactly yeah that's the answer to them all <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the,
0: is there <laughs> yeah. like a is there a go-to like tune at the moment for you that like really gets you amped like
1: Oh, um, yeah, they're all on SoundCloud though, so they're okay. all like remixes of like an hour long. Okay. So yeah, but I do have like one really good song that I really enjoy listening to on Spotify. Uh uh-huh. It's called "Set You Free." Um, it's not it's not really drum and bass, but it is. But it isn't. It's just, okay. It's not super heavy. Well, I actually rich can listen to it so that's a good <laughs> sign because everyone hates <laughs> drum and bass like no one wants me to be on this spout like speaker because
0: yeah it just
1: blows your eardrums off so um yeah i think <laughs> if rich gives it an approval it's uh it can't be that heavy so um it
0: must be pretty soft yeah. okay yeah. You have to send me a link and i can uh i'll stick okay. it in the show notes um, or something for people
1: yeah
0: yeah there we go <laughs> nice all right second question if you could wind back the clock and sit down with yourself age 16 what advice would you give her
1: oh i think i would honestly just say do do what oh this is actually tricky i think i i would honestly tell myself to just like follow like what my heart wants to do or like what i enjoy doing um and like don't let people like tell you what not to do or like stop you from chasing your goals yeah that's what i would tell myself
0: good advice yeah i like that all right third one if you could have a coaching session from anyone past or present who would it be and what would you want to learn from them
1: Oh, I think Rachel.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think just, I want to know just honestly, well, because she dominated. And so like, I'd love to know just what the secret is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, Rach. Yep. Um, but yeah. You had the chance to ride
0: with Rach at Dovey, right? For the performance camp. She was Mm -hmm. there. How was that? did. Did you pick anything up?
1: Uh not quite, she didn't quite share her tips with me. So. Okay.
0: But yeah, um, I, I did, I did
1: she, riding with her, so
0: <laughs> maybe she yeah. still wants a few wins for herself before she shares too much, I, right?
1: Possibly, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can't share any uh information until fully retired, done. Yet. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, that would so be okay. cool though. But would like, you be keen to race against Ray? Yeah.
1: Oh. Um Yeah. I mean I already have Atlenza Hyde. Uh-huh. She whipped my okay. ass, so <laughs> Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean I'd love to see her race again. Who knows? Maybe she will, maybe she won't. But um yeah, so I feel like yeah. I'd like to ride with well I mean I've already well, maybe I should say someone I haven't ridden with then. Don't really know. I feel like I've ridden with Well at that point, like when I was like looking up someone I looked up to rage. So Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. But then I guess like free ride stuff like so many people like Casey Brown was like icon of free rides. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right. Last one. What do you do every day that you feel benefits you?
1: Oh, what do I do every day? Hmm. That's a good question. Jeez. Um, <laughs> I think just almost having like a day to day, routine or especially with like mountain biking not being your average or even just any professional athlete like it's not your average kind of job like so you know Mm -hmm. you're not nine to five or whatever you're doing so i think just like sticking with a routine is kind of what keeps me going like okay yeah just getting up in the morning and like going and doing something yeah
0: cool all right. Well, it's been uh, it's been really interesting finding out more about you and hearing your story so far. I suspect there's a lot more to come and uh, I'm excited to see it. If people want to follow, uh, where's the best place for them to keep up to date with what you're up to?
1: Uh, Instagram. So, yeah, just blow it underscore. You can find me on there
0: got it i shall stick a link to that in the show notes and maybe some drum and bass playlists if you've uh, <laughs> got anything you want to share uh yeah thanks jess it's been super interesting it's been ace watching you uh going so well this season seeing you hitting hardline, and uh, no doubt plenty more to come so yeah all the best for the future
1: thank you and thank you so much for having me
0: Nice awesome. one. cheers jess
1: cheers thank you
0: All right, that's it for this episode with Jess. I really hope you've enjoyed it. A massive thanks to Earshots for supporting this episode. If you want headphones that are the perfect fit for riding, running or training, or just for listening to your favourite podcast, then look no further than Earshots. As a downtime listener, Earshots are offering you 10% off. All you need to do is to enter the code DOWNTIME22 at the checkout over on earshots.com and the discount will be applied at the final stage of the checkout process. That's downtime, all uppercase, no space, then the number 22 over at earshots.com. Also, thanks to YT. In a world where the price of pretty much everything is going up, YT have worked hard to bring down the pricing of a number of the models in their range. What's more, as a downtime listener, YT are offering you an extra £100 or dollars or euros, depending on where you are, off of their entire range. All you need to do is to select I have a voucher in the bottom left corner at checkout and use the code DOWNTIME2008. That's downtime with a capital D, no space, then the number 2008 over at yt-industries.com. The code is valid for a maximum of 200 uses and runs until the 31st of March 2023. All right, here's a few other links that might be useful to you too. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you don't miss an episode, forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some brand new merch, and forward slash EP if you'd like to get your hands on copies of our lovely print project, Downtime EP. As always, spread the word, tell your rider mates, and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for today. We'll have another awesome episode coming really soon. But until next time, get out and ride.